My name is Aaron Buttery. It's my privilege and joy uh, to serve here at Christ Church leading our student ministry. I have been here for almost exactly a year, and it has been fascinating and wondrous to watch as our young people, as this next generation continue to grow in their faith, continue in their fellowship of Jesus, and begin growing in their spiritual leadership that they would be sharers of the gospel. I'm grateful this morning to Father Paul, our rector, for the chance to share the gospel with you. I grew up in a storytelling family. Every time we were together, whether it was the whole family for a holiday gathering or whether it's just my little nuclear family, no matter what is happening, no matter how many people are there, we are telling stories. There's always new stories, the things that have been happening recently, maybe, maybe some recent challenge or some great success, telling stories of things that maybe seem like minutia, but that bring about life and relationship. But there's always a couple of stories that when we're together, come back. Does this happen in your family? These are the stories that are, they're on repeat. It's the song that always manages to find its way onto your playlist. It is the stories that seem to continue growing in the ways that they're shared. Sometimes through exaggeration, but more than that maybe. In my family, there's a story of my dad coming home from ranger school to marry my mom. Or my mom being a seven-year-old farm girl arriving home from school one day to a note that said, whoever's home first, bring the truck. And so, seven-year-old mom takes the truck across the cotton field to go pick up her dad. And her dad, my grandfather, the one we call Papa, tells story of wanting and trying to join the Navy during World War II and failing the swim test three times. They still let him in. These are just some of the stories that are told over and over again in my family. There's something crazy about how that happens, though, is that these stories that once belonged to an individual become now part of the fabric of a family. Now I am part of those stories, and those stories are now part of me. I think this is what God is intending in Deuteronomy 6 when he says not only to know and obey his commandments, but to talk about them with our children as we walk along the road. I think this is what's happening at Passover, at the Seder meal, a reenactment, a storytelling moment about how God moved his people from slavery to salvation. I think this is what's happening here at least in part, the story of Jesus Christ, his life, his death, his resurrection, bringing you and I into life. I, my family is a storytelling family, but I'm pretty convinced that we are a storytelling people. That this family, the one that's gathered here, 
now. We become family because of the stories that we share, because of this story, the story of what Christ has done in us. We're a story people, and I think that's why Jesus taught so often in story and parable. I think he did it so that we would be constant listeners and learners, consistent tellers and teachers, and that our very lives would be living stories. So I know many of you have heard the story in the parable of the sower. It's probably come up a few times in your life. But I hope that today as we hear it again, we would have ears to hear that this would be one of those stories that would bring us together as family. Any good story has a cast of characters. And the first character of the story is introduced in the opening line, a sower went out to sow. Man, that's a good line. You can picture it. You can imagine what that looks like. A farmer walking out into a field, slung over his shoulder a bag of seed. And what his title and what the action implies and what it's, what it's saying is that he would take seed and he would sling it into a field that knew no bounds. That's what's being described here. An extravagant, a wild, an abandonment where the farmer is putting out seed into the soil with seemingly no direction. We know that this is the triune God. The Father began sowing himself into creation. His invisible attributes, his eternal power, his divine nature, he has placed within the world, the heavens, and within you that we might recognize him and know him. And the Son, who sowed in a unique and particular way to bring all people into salvation, and the Holy Spirit who continues to sow today with the same abandon and extravagance. I think often we are given an image or maybe even a feeling of the character of God. And it's something like one of the uh, paint-by-number artists where God has this meticulous quality of staying within the lines and matching up the number with the color and being very particular. Or maybe the painter who you would hire to paint your house, the one that would come in and tape everything first so that nothing is misplaced, so that all the lines are perfect. This story gives us an entirely different perspective on our God. To continue with the artist analogy. This story gives us the image of God, a paint tray in front of him as a child. The child that Jesus blesses and invites us to become like. Who takes the brush, 
dipping it in the paint and gleefully begins slinging it so that it's not only on the paper but on the table and the floor and the ceiling and on everyone around them. This is the joy of God's extravagance. Which leads us to the second character, the seed. The seed containing everything necessary for life. All of it, right there in this little thing. It is the gospel. It is the stuff of life for you and I. It is more than a set of facts. It is the thing that gives rise to all of our doctrine. It is the germination of faith, hope, and love that all would be saved, even me. This is the gospel of Christ. It is the life of Christ. The one who placed himself on the cross to bear our sin. And it is therefore of immense worth, of great value, a treasure unmeasurable. And what does the sower do with it? See, the seed is so potent. It is so valuable that its worth cannot be diminished or degraded by the extravagant slinging of it. The power of the gospel is such that the only thing to do with it, the only way to treat it, is to share it like that painter gleefully everywhere in all places at all times. It's almost like if we were given the picture of a farmer who would seed by seed, hole by hole, sow his rose, that that would somehow impart a limit on the gospel, a particularity and a precision that it does not demand. The sower went out to sow. And with extravagance, he threw seed everywhere in a field that knew no bounds. How do we know that it knew no bounds? Because of the third character, the dirt. The dirt given to us in four types or four parts. The first one, hard, beaten, perhaps paved, trodden upon the path so impervious to the seed that birds come and eat it up and take it away. Note that the efficacy of the seed is never questioned. Only the condition of the soil. The second type, the rocky, filled with debris and chunks. Maybe it's a lot like your yards, but it's thin and it's limiting. There is at first an astonishing growth and then an equally astonishing collapse. Again, the efficacy of the seed is not in question here. It's the condition of the soil. Third, the thorny Soil that gives rise to life, but the life that it's feeding is caustic and contrary to the gospel. The soil itself 
is giving plants nutrients that will only bring ruin and pain and violence and death. Again, the efficacy of the seed is not being questioned here. It's the condition of the soil. And finally, the good soil, the good dirt, seemingly miraculously prepared to receive the good news, to receive what the sower is slinging. And the result is an unheard of yield. Fruitfulness that what we know from scholars of New Testament times and the documents left behind, that a 30-fold yield would have been unheard of and preposterous. 60 would have been the stuff of legend. 100 dreams. Again, the efficacy of the seed is not what's being questioned here. It's the condition of the soil. Every good story, along with its characters, has a good question, a compelling question. And for us, at least what I hear in the gospel this morning is the question of what type of dirt am I? What kind of dirt are you? It would be easy to hear that question and shy away put up our hands in defense, to look to place responsibility and blame somewhere else. But the first true lesson of this story, of the parable of the sower, is that God has been consistently and constantly in action and extravagant love in our direction. Dr. Timothy Tennant, the president of Asbury Seminary, writes about it this way. God is pictured here as the constant extravagant sower. As the sower in chief, he is not giving up on you. He is not giving up on this world. He keeps giving us the grace of his word. He keeps sowing into our lives. So we cannot... And hearing in this story, look and say, God, what are you doing about this? Because he's already about the doing. He is already continually with extravagance sharing his gospel, his grace, and his love. And we know that what the Lord sends out, we hear this from the prophet Isaiah, that what he sends out, it will in fact return And it will return in the way that he purposed and promised. See, it would be easy then now to linger on those first three types of dirt. The hard, the rocky, and the thorny. We could dive into all of the things that distract us or dissuade us from a relationship with God those things that seemingly inhibit the way we receive his love and the way we return it to him. But that's not where I want to stay this morning. But I will say this. If this morning 
you're hearing the question, what type of dirt are you? And you're hearing it as being hard or rocky or thorny. I invite you when you come to receive, to receive the sacrament of life, the presence of God, and to receive it as one who is tilling and weeding your soul. I don't want to linger in those types of dirt because it's the fourth one that is the most fascinating and exciting to me. It's the one of promise and of hope. This good dirt. For many years, if I'd been asked the question, what kind of dirt are you? I would have confidently said, I'm the good dirt. I go to church like three times a month. I occasionally pray. I don't get caught doing bad things. But I don't think that this is what Jesus is asking. Jesus isn't asking how often I go to church. What he's asking is, am I joining him in the multiplying movement of his gospel? Am I joining him, as our Bishop Todd likes to say, as a cooperative friend? This last part tells the story of a harvest, of more and more people coming to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ because of our lives. How do we join this? How do we join the story of Jesus how are we good dirt? First, by the grace of God and the work of the Holy Spirit. The parable doesn't give us a three-point outline about how to become good dirt. It just says that it's available, that it is the holy possible. But it does give us the evidence of good dirt. It gives us the outcome that if we are good dirt, how we would know. We would know that we're good dirt because of some unheard of yield. Because we would have joined the sower in the sharing of the gospel. Because those around us in our work and in our homes and in our extended families they would know the gospel because we would have been living it in our actions, in our speaking, and in our prayers. And just as a reminder, this is the gospel from Acts chapter 10 about how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. And we are witnesses of all that he did, both in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They put him to death by hanging him on a tree. And God raised him up on the third day and made him appear and he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one appointed by God to judge the living and the dead. 
To him all the prophets bear witness that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. This is our family story. This is the story that makes us a family here in Plano and around the world. This is the story that we tell every time we gather together. My question, though, is, do we tell it anytime else? Because in my family, we, we share our stories and we're together, but the the fun and joyful and possibly annoying thing is that when we have friends over for dinner, we tell our stories too. And we invite them to join us in that storytelling so that when they leave from our home, they go now with a part of us. We are storytellers and our first and primary story is the one that has brought us into life and light. We are the ones invited to participate in the sowing, to share the story of God. Because friends, Plano, it needs good dirt people. McKinney, Frisco, Richardson, Denton, Dallas, El Paso, Dayton needs good dirt people. People whose story is that of the life and saving resurrection of Jesus Christ. The one who brings us into the fullness of life and joy So today, what type of dirt are you? How would we know? It's my hope and my prayer that by the power of the Holy Spirit, we would be a family, that each of us today, that we would be good dirt. Amen.